We're going to continue our series on family uh, today, and so I'm really excited about it. I, lo- I love series on family every time I get to do one like this. Uh, today we're going to talk about loving our family's future. Next week is loving their uniqueness. The week after is loving them unconditionally. may have one more I've been contemplating in my head for a fifth week, but we'll see on that one right there. Uh, we've all seen those commercials where... Um, you can send in your DNA, I don't know if it's a swab or whatever it is, and then they find out your ancestry. We've all seen stuff like that, right? Please tell me you've seen something like that, because okay, I was getting worried. Well, um, my, uh, my daughter sent hers in uh, to find out, you know, well, what's the ancestry, and uh, turns out I'm Scandinavian. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I said that in first service, nobody laughed. I, I, really? Look at the hair color, it's a joke. Um, so, uh, no, there was, uh, they sent back and they said, uh, and I knew the, I knew where region basically that my ancestors on my dad's side were from, but I never, I don't think I'd ever heard this word before uh, of what, what I am in ancestry, and maybe I have, maybe, I don't know, I had to look it up afterwards, but it said I'm Iberian, and I, I thought, I'm a librarian? What did, what did you say? <laughs> no, you're Iberian, so... Um, and what it is, it's the, the southern part and the eastern part of Spain in that region right there, which I knew on my father's side, that's where it came from. And I knew the last name Del Campo was more Italian than Spanish. But, uh, and, uh, but I, and then it said part, uh, kind of North African also in there. And I thought, well, I'm Iberian. So I, now I, I have kind of a subtle area of where my ancestors came from. What if I told you that you could look at your ancestry and take a good look at them, and you could change any of the negative past influences from this moment on, and you could create a better future for your children and grandchildren. Would you be interested? Yes. So, you're, so what, what I'm saying is that you, you could be a cycle breaker of the past and a cycle maker of the future, Right? Okay, just, I want to make sure of that. So hold that thought because we're going to look into God's word because this whole idea I'm giving you, this truth I'm giving you now, it's not a Jim Del Campo, I made this up. It's actually in God's top 10, the 10 commandments. It's the second one. And he gives us clear, clear statements on this. And so I know you love your family and therefore you love the potential of your family's future. And if you're a single person, well, I'm not married, you might be one day. And you're going to have kids, and you have responsibility, and then you'll understand your parents now. And the pressures that they have gone through in life to get you to where they needed to get you to. Didn't make all the right decisions, but they did their best. So hold the thought. Let's read the key verse for the series. And I would, I just love it if you all read this, because the Bible says to give attention to the public reading of Scripture. So here we go. Let's read it. According to the grace of God, which was given to me. Like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. So we laid the foundation of Jesus Christ. We established that last week. We're a wise master builder. We build the right things upon our family. Now, our tagline is this. The wise builder builds wisely. That's right. A wise builder builds wisely. Now... You all love your family. How many of you love your families? Oh, good. Almost all of you. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Image, please. Oh. I know. Huh? That's my granddaughter. 
Let me say it again. That's my granddaughter. Let me say it again. That's my granddaughter. That's Willa. Her, oh, her name is Wilhelmina. I don't know if that's a Mexican name or not. That's no, a German name, Wilhelm, Wilhelmina. And, you know, I, I held her, you know, I go, I, I hold her for 30 minutes. I could just stare at her. I, it's like, it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. And, and then she whispers in my ear at seven weeks, Granddaddy, you're my favorite. <laughs> Nobody else hears it. I'm the only one that hears it. I, I go, Willa, it's our secret. Well, where'd, she, where'd she go? No, I'm just kidding. If you keep... Now, let me tell you something. 40 years ago when I, uh, when I became a Christian, I, I made certain decisions to tell myself no. There were certain things that were not going to be in my, my life. And then when I, and this Thursday, I'll be married 38 years. When I got married, there were certain that no, it's not going to be in this family's life. And I made those no statements to myself through the power of Jesus Christ because I couldn't change myself. Because I knew that my kids, I didn't want them to be influenced by certain things. And I thought it was just for my kids. And I never thought about this until I got to hold Willa in that hospital room when she was just born. And I didn't say it out loud, but I thought it in my head. And I looked at her and I thought, this is why I told myself no. You're the reason. This is why I've lived this way for the last 40 years of my life. You finally came, you finally showed up. And I lived my life a certain way because I wanted to be a, a cycle breaker and a cycle maker. It was for you. And she didn't understand that, obviously. Hopefully one day she will. But as a parent, you love your kids. Tell them I said hi, whoever's phone that is. <laughs> just broke a really sincere moment in my heart. <laughs> I'm just joking. But that's why I told myself no. And for you, for my kids and for you. Today I want to talk about that. Be a cycle breaker. And be a cycle maker in your life for your children, for your descendants. I'm going to take you to two sections of scripture Exodus chapter 20, and then Genesis chapter 20. They are the first two books of the Old Testament scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures. I hope you take notes today. I hope you listen, because it's not something I'm making up. It's, this is God's word. It's, it's smarter. He's smarter than us. And he's given us some truth. I'm going to lay down the truth of God's word, what we're talking about today from, Genesis, from Exodus and then, bless you, and then I'm going to take you into application of that in Genesis. This is not, I'm not making it up. It's all right here. So Exodus chapter 20, it's the Ten Commandments. Moses is up on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments. I'm not going to read them all because we all might fry by the end of it. And this is the Ten Commandments. are trying to get rid of this in every place, even in courtrooms now. It's crazy in America. But I'm going to read a couple of them, one through six. And then I'm going to give you three bullet statements we do the same thing in Genesis 20. Read it, comment, commentate on it, give you three bullet statements. But chapter 20, verse 1 says this. I'm in Genesis. Let me go to Exodus. I'm so sorry. I'm stuck there from the first service. That's where I ended up. Okay, Exodus 20. Then God spoke all these words, saying, Now God's speaking to Moses up on Mount Sinai as he's given the Ten Commandments. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. He's, he's stating the fact, I've delivered you from old ways. I've delivered you from the past. That's a key statement when you start reading these. 
You shall have no other gods before me. Now, it's very easy for a follower of Christ to say, oh, God's number one, there's nothing else. It's easy to say, it's harder to live consistently. Would anybody say amen to that? It's It's a tough one. Verse four. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water underneath the earth. Now, he's saying don't make an idol, an image of what God is. Now, what's interesting about that is as God's telling Moses up on the mountain, what are they doing down in the valley? They're making an idol, a golden calf. It's crazy, huh? Verse five. Here's here's foundation, and then we'll give you bullet points. You shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity, the sin, of the fathers on the children, on the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me. And the idea of hate is to love less, meaning you need to love God more than everybody else. Verse six, but showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me, and keep my commandments. Okay, let me give you three, three bullet statements here, and let me explain as I go. The first thing is, there is good and bad jealousy. Bad jealousy is when you have something, and I'm jealous that you have that, and now I'm bitter or frustrated with God or angry with God because you have something that I wish I had. It's bad jealousy. It'll ruin you. Good jealousy is when you see someone that you love or care about and they're doing something that is not good for them, it's going to hurt them or is hurting them and you're jealous for them and you want them to stop, you might even, you might even confront them on that and say, you need to stop this. They may not agree with you, but you got to do it because you love them. That, that's good jealousy right there, guys. God's jealousy is a good jealousy. Would you say amen? Okay, some of you may not agree with that, but it's a good jealousy. The second thing I want to state here is that God visits not causes iniquity. God visits, not causes iniquity. Now, this is the main foundational piece of what I want to tell you today. It's going to, everything's built from this statement. Now, listen closely. What God is saying is this, not Jim, but God. If grandpa, grandma, mom, dad, they're an addict, they had a gambling addiction, They're always dropping F-bombs all over the place. They're adulterers, problem drinkers, habitual liars, you know, and the list goes on and on and on and on, violent tempers, that that's going to be visited on the kids and on. Well, how how can you say third, fourth generation? Let me show you what God is saying, because you got to go in context of that time period. In that time period, it was very usual for a family to live in one dwelling all the way up to the third and the fourth generation. So now when you understand that, you understand that the visitation part is not, well, God's making this. No, we're, we're influencing our families the wrong way is what he's saying. Be careful because there's influence coming from the top. You could be a cycle breaker and a cycle maker. You got to be careful with your life here. Now, some of you already know this, and let me show you how you know this. Some of you had to, maybe not many, but hopefully none of you, you had to because you had maybe an older sibling, 17, 18, 19, and they were just out of control, whatever they were into, and they were a bad influence on the younger, smaller children in the family that was visiting, their sins were visiting 
And you might have told the older one, you need to move out now. And you need to get out of here because you are a terrible influence on your younger brothers and your younger sisters. How many know what I'm talking about? That's what you're saying is, I don't want what you're doing visiting the younger ones. I don't want that influence here. I want it out here. So some of you have already lived that. You understand it. Some of you know that in theory. You would probably do that if it came down to it. Well, that's what God is talking about here. There are influences in our things that, that, are, that may be run in our family, and we don't want that visiting our children and our grandchildren. The next thing, though, is this. The next generation uh, can stop the cycle. The next generation can stop the cycle. This is the good news. That uh, I can be a cycle breaker of things from the past that weren't the best in my family, in my ancestors, and I can be a cycle maker uh, of new things in my family in front of me. And then God, he adds, and let me show you another verse of God's promise here, and then let me illustrate it. In Deuteronomy 7, 9, God says this in another area. He says, know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps his covenant and his loving kindness to a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. In other words, this stuff can keep going. All the good stuff can keep going or all the bad stuff can keep going. Now let me tell you, I was reading this thing about if you take one little grain of wheat seed and you plant in the ground, it'll grow one stalk. If you take all the, the seeds in that thing you plant in the ground and you keep doing that with everything grows, all the seeds, do you know that in 14 years the entire earth will be covered in wheat? In just 14 years from one seed. That illustrates in a physical sense what God is saying in a spiritual sense also that you and I have this tremendous power just from ourselves to be a cycle breaker of the past and a cycle maker of the future. Anybody interested in that one right there? I know I am. I know you love your family. I, I, I love my families and we can do this. You see, it's like this. And you say, Let's say that you are, you see all of you in this room just had a baby and, and, you're, and you're pushing that stroller through Galleria and then your baby is the most beautiful baby on the planet. Because how many know your baby is the most beautiful baby on the planet? No. Put that picture back up again. So. But somebody go, oh, you have a beautiful baby. <laughs> I chew. <laughs> and your baby's face is right there. And they don't cover their mouth. They just keep coughing all over. What would you do to that person? Hey, easy. You're a Christian group, okay? I don't, I don't want you to get prison time. You would say, hey, hey, stop it. You're spreading germs on my baby. I don't want my baby to catch your cold or your flu. If we are that adamant about stopping that, why aren't we that adamant about stopping cycles in our family? Because bad cycles in our family are way worse than a cold or a temporary flu. Am I right? That's what God is saying. You got to say no to yourself to these things. Now, let me take you to Genesis 20. And now let me give you application to the foundational truth that God has just laid down in Exodus 20. So let's go to Genesis 20. I'm going to do commentary through 13 verses. Um, not a lot, not extensive, but I'm going to do some. And then I'm going to give you three bullet points again on what the main ideas I want to pull out here that, that uh, build upon the, the earlier statements from Exodus 20. 
This is Abraham now. He's the first Hebrew. He's the father of the nation of Israel. He has not had a child. Uh, he's an older man. Now, Abraham journeyed from there toward the land of the Negev. Negev means southward. And settled between Kadesh. Kadesh means holy. And Shur. Shur is in Egyptian territory. It means wall. Then he sojourned in Gerar. Gerar is a lodging place, Philistine area, enemy of Israel. So you see the, the pictures that God is painting us here is that he's kind of in an in-between ground, not on a solid, straight God course yet. Abraham said of Sarah, his wife. Now, you know, they insert his wife, Sarah. He says, she is my sister. That's what he's telling people. So that Abimelech, the king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. So he's telling the people there, she's my sister. The king says, okay, she's only your sister. He comes and takes her and brings her into the harem. She's going to become king of king uh, uh, Abimelech. She's going to become his wife. Now, let me just throw you a little funny side note. Sarah's 90. She must be one really good-looking 90-year-old, okay? I mean, she's not on the porch going, where's my teeth at? No, she's, you know, and of course they lived longer back then and because of the DNA and et cetera, et cetera. I don't have time to explain that one. But so he takes her as a wife, this other king, and she's married to Abraham. But watch what happens. But God came to Abimelech, here comes God now, in a dream of the night and said to this king, he's telling him, behold, look, you're a dead man. How'd you like a dream from God saying, you are a dead man? Because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is married. Stop. Why is God so mm, insisting? I'm going to kill this guy. Because the only seed, according to the prophecy of Genesis 12, that should go into Sarah is the seed of Abraham. They are going to be the parents, the beginning of the nation of Israel. This is the prophetic promise of God. And they're going to mess it up. And so God says, you, I'm going to kill you before that ever happens. Because you are not going to mess with my promise and what I have laid out for the future. Now, Abimelech had not come near her. He said, Lord, will you slay a nation even though blameless? Because we haven't done it. I didn't know. Did he not himself, didn't Abraham say to me, she is my sister? Didn't she, didn't Sarah say it herself? She said, he's my brother. In the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I've done this. I, I just, you know. Then God said to him in the dream, Yes, I know that in the integrity of your heart you have done this, and I also have kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Aren't you glad God sometimes stops you from sinning? Can you imagine how we'd really mess some things up? Now, therefore, restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you will live. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die and you and all who are yours. You die, your family dies, it gets worse. So Abimelech arose early in the morning, called his servants and told all these things in their hearing. And the men were greatly frightened. Now, if you're a servant and, you're, and your family's are in and Abraham, and this guy, Abimelech says, you know, God says if we don't send her back, he's going to kill you, going to kill my family, all you servants, you're all going to die there. If you're the servants, what would you say? Send her back! Send her back! Um, so I think they got a quorum on that one. Um, verse 9, then Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, what have you done to us? Abraham, what'd you do? And how have I sinned against you that you have brought 
on me and on my kingdom a great sin. You have done to me things that ought not to be done to. Why'd you do it, Abram? Why didn't, why'd you tell me the truth? Now, Abimelech said to Abram, what have you encountered that you have done this thing? In other words, what's happened to you that you would start living like this? Abraham said, here's Ab- watch Abraham's answer. Because I thought, <laughs> there you go thinking again. See, sometimes we need to just go with the word of God and through it speculating way out there and just go with this. He says, here's what I thought. I thought, surely there's no fear in God, of God in this place and they will kill me because of my wife. I, this is what I thought. They're going to kill me because she's good looking. She's 90. She's good looking. She won the beauty pageant at 88 years of age and you know, they're going to kill me. Verse 12, besides, she actually is my sister. The daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. She, she became my She's his half-sister. And he said, they married uh, way back then. Times have changed. God changed things, etc., etc. Don't marry your sister anymore. <laughs> That's a free one, okay. <laughs> Verse 13, there's all kinds of reasons for that. And God stated at a certain point, no more. You don't do these things. And it came about... Watch this, watch this, watch this. And it came about when God caused me to wander from my father's house, way back in Ur of the Chaldees, when Abraham first leaves to go be a new nation in this new land of promise. That I said to her, is what I told Sarah way back then, this is the kindness which you, Sarah, will show to me. This is what I want you to do, Sarah. Everywhere we go, I, say of me. This is what I want you to say. Say, everywhere we go, say, he's my brother. Tell everyone that I'm your brother wherever we go because if not, they're going to kill me and take you. Now, I'm going to give you three, three little quick statements and we're going to drive, try to drive this one. The first statement is this. Something attached to Abraham. Something attached. Now, back at verse 13 again. Let me read it again. It says, And it came about when God caused me to wander from my father's house that I said to her, This is the kindness which you will show me. Everywhere we go, Say of me, he is my brother. So way back, he's retrospecting, way back when we left, this thing attached to my mind, this way of thinking, it attached. I will live this lifestyle, is what he's saying. Point two, and that's this, attachments lead to actions. They always lead to actions. Something attached, he let it in, and now it's, it's, it's causing actions in the family. Look at verse two. He's going back now, he's retrospecting, now he's going back to the present. Verse three says, Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. So Abimelech, king of Gerson, took Sarah. So in other words, we're, back then, this is the way I thought, this is what we're going to do. And then when it came time, then that attachment led to an action. This is the second time it happened. It already happened once before, back about eight chapters earlier. He's already been living this thing out now where he's telling everybody, this is my sister, And so now we see the attachment, now it turns into actions. But here's where the story gets dicey and where we go back and see the foundation of it all. Number three, actions lead to visitation slash reenactments. Reenactments. So now we're going to look at Abraham's son. And in Genesis 26, verse 7, watch his son Isaac talking about his wife, Rebecca. Watch. Here's his son. When the men of the place asked about his wife, he said, say it with me. She's my sister. 
For he was afraid to say, my wife, thinking the men of the place might kill me on account of Rebecca, for she is beautiful. Is he repeating a pattern? You better believe he is. Now let me segue and come right back. See, some of us think, well, you know what I do, my, parent, my, my children don't see me do it. Well, when Abraham did it in two different occasions, Isaac wasn't even born. It trickles down. It visits. It visits. And just so you think, well, that's just one story. Do you have any more? I've got plenty more. You have King David. King David is on a rooftop, and he's taking another man's wife. And he's having sex with her, gets her pregnant on a rooftop. His son Absalom will drive his father out of the kingdom for a while. Absalom will take the harem, women he's not married to, and he will have sex with them on a rooftop on the very same rooftop. Attachments lead to actions. Actions lead to reattachments. These are cycles. They run in families. We already proved, we already stated what God said in Exodus 20. There's things that as parents we need to say no to. One person said this, I'll never forget it. It was 39 years ago or thereabouts. And I've never forgot it. He said, as a parent, what you allow in your life, in moderation, that's a great Christian word that Christians overuse and misuse and abuse. But will you, you allow in moderation in your life? Your children, they will do it in excess. They'll do it more. Whatever, I can just do some of this, I can handle this, whatever. they'll do it more. They just will. Proverbs 22.3 says this. The prudent sees the evil and hides himself. The wise person sees evil coming. They see down the road, and I'm not going to do that. I'm going to pull away from that. But the naive, which means a simpleton, a fool, they just go right on. And they're punished for it. They, there's consequences. I'm not thinking about the future. Okay. I'm trying to illustrate this all and try to put it together. Oh, I know. First things first. So, so I can cover bases here. Some of you might be thinking, well, I don't have, there's no family history that's got all these bad things, whatever like that. Okay, great. But don't you start anything. Any amens? See, I could pull everyone in this room, every one of us, you know, talk, ask you about a bad habit. And every one of us in this room probably has a bad habit we're trying to break, something. But I could pull every one of us and I could ask the question, say, did your bad habit begin with an avalanche? Like all of a sudden one day you're all in this thing. Probably not, huh? It started little by little by little by little by little until it was an avalanche. Until it was, it's like it's your lifestyle now. So don't start anything now. It becomes an avalanche and now we're going to visit that upon our children, grandchildren, and they'll visit it on and on and on and on. Okay, so. 
let me, how many of you seen Back to the Future? Okay. Let me tell you, it's not real. <laughs> Just making sure you know that. No one can go back in time and change their families. Future. No one can do that. But we can all go back in time and change ourselves. What are you talking about? Let me give you something. Maybe you know it. Maybe you forgot it. As a follower of Christ, if you're a follower of Christ, the moment you professed faith and you gave your life to Jesus, you actually died on the cross with Jesus in that moment. That's what the Bible teaches. It teaches in that moment you died. In fact, it says that the old you, the old nature, it's been done away. The word's done away. It literally has the idea of being powerless or paralyzed. See, you say, oh, I can't break the cycle. Yes, you can, because as a follower of Christ, the blood of Jesus, the, the power of the cross, the power of the Spirit of God, the old you has been rendered powerless and paralyzed. It cannot force you and I to do anything anymore. It, it can yell at us. You know, your old nature can scream at you, and every one of us knows those pulls and those bents upon our life, but it can't make us do anything. We can actually say, nope, not doing that anymore. So I was thinking, how do I finish this message? I was struggling with the last idea, and it came to me in the shower this morning. Whew, thank you, Jesus. It's another movie and a historical event. How many of you have seen the movie Titanic? Okay. I have a brother-in-law who's seen it like 250 times. It's his favorite movie. Um, there's, a, you know, those scenes where, and it happened in real life, I'm sure, absolutely. There were not enough boats to get off that ship. And so, you know, it was women and children first. And, and all the fathers and the grandfathers, they stayed on board. But do you remember that one little weasel weenie of a man? Oh, didn't you just want to slap that guy? He goes and he sneaks in one of the boats and he takes one of the chairs that should have been for the women and children. It's like, are you kidding me? Let me tell you. Had you or I been on that ship as a parent, mom or dad, you would have gladly given your child the seat. And you'd have stayed on that ship knowing that you're going to go down on those icy waters and you will freeze to death. You will die. But you would have given up that chair. Ain't no doubt about it. So the thought was this that God popped in my head about that. If we'd be willing to give up our chair and give up our lives and die so that our kids could have life, shouldn't, be willing, shouldn't we be willing to say no and die to ourselves about certain things that we're allowing in? so that our kids could have a better life? I, I think it makes sense. I think it makes sense. So maybe some of us have some thinking to do. Maybe husband and wives need to dialogue some stuff that you, you're letting in. Nobody can force you. I'm just giving you, laid out the truth, that's it. I know you love your families. You know, Paul said it, if I love a person, I'll never do that thing I'm doing again. And I won't do it if I love them. That's a heavy statement, but that's what love does. Okay, I'm done now. So I want you to stand up.